Ollie and Ben for best backup music ever. That was amazing. That was amazing. Ah, oh, Mother's Day. So good. So good. We're going to continue. It's a bit of a continue on. Did it? Danny missed him. Uh, we're going to continue sort of on from this morning. For anyone who was here this morning or watched online, if you're watching online, welcome. Uh, this morning's theme was, is life a fairy tale? Is life a fairy tale? And so I'm going to continue on from that tonight. Fairy tale or family? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Fairy tale or family? Is life a fairy tale? And as soon as I said this to Danny, he's like, oh, fairy floss. Maybe he was hungry. Does anyone like fairy floss? Is there a photo on the screen of someone enjoying fairy floss? Look at that. Who wants to see me enjoy fairy floss? Look, the wonderful Rochelle has bought me fairy floss. Look at this. One, two, three. Fairy floss. Uh, what am I meant to do? Like, like this. Fairy floss. Who likes fairy floss? Yes. I do. I really do. I know it's just sugar. I know it is. When I was a kid, though, back in the early 80s, um, the only time we got fairy floss or toffee apples was at the local show. Two days of the year. It's the only time. How, like, how terrible was that? Now when I go to the supermarket and I see toffee apples, I say to the kids, you can get toffee apples anytime you want. Not that I buy them, but for us, there was only two days a year that we could get fairy floss. And so it was so exciting to eat sponge sugar. It's just so fun and pretty and fabulous. But I want to show you a little clip about fairy floss. You may have seen it. Just a sec. Don't put it up yet. Who knows what raccoons are? Because everyone's... Raccoons wash their food. They are incredibly fastidious. Can you, can you see where this is going? Let's have a look at the clip. Let's have a look at the clip. Look, he's got his fairy floss. Oh, oh. oh look at him. Oh. Can you play it again? Just because it's beautiful. He's so sad. Look. I'm lying. I hope you are seeing this because it literally melted my heart when I saw this poor little raccoon just, where is it? Where is it? And fairy tales are a bit like that, aren't they? Fairy tales can disappear poof, at the slightest little things. What is a fairy tale and why aren't they maybe not as good as we think they are? Because fairy tales inevitably have a perfect, happy ending. Okay, so we have a princess who's been brought up by an evil stepmother or has no parents at all or grew up in a cellar somewhere and everything becomes fabulous and it finishes with, and she lived, or they lived, because it's always a they at the end, happily ever after. But we know life is not like that. Life is more like the raccoon with the fairy floss. Sometimes at the snap of a fingers, at some life event that happens, the fairy tale disappears. 
or the fairy tale never eventuates. It never happens. And I want to suggest tonight that we, as followers of Jesus, get to choose family over fairy tale. And I mean this family. And we're going to explore three, one, two, three, different fairy tales that maybe we have or we've thought about or we know we've heard from other people or have just imagined about church. I don't think I'm going to hold these all the time. Who wants some fairy floss? Come and come, come, come grab one. Oh, girls first. Now, I ate... Oh, Toby had that one because I ate it. Yeah. Okay, you can share. Oh. People like fairy floss is what I'm gathering. Okay. Sorry, this side of the room. Okay. We don't get a fairy godmother, do we? What do we get? We get a god whose desire it is to transform us little by little by little. There's no magic wand. I wish there were. There isn't. He's a God of slow and consistent growth. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of forgiving mistakes and starting again. You know what, though? There is a happy ending. Who remembers Danny Misdom's sermon from about four weeks, three weeks ago about heaven? There's a happy ending because we live in God's kingdom. And he's preparing a place for us. He's restoring this world. He's restoring us. There is a happy ending, but it doesn't come with a wand and maybe not fairy floss. So, family. What's this idea of family about? I want to read from Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12. Have a look on the screen. While Jesus was standing talking to the crowd, his mother's and his mother and brothers stood outside waiting to speak to him. Someone said to him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And this is where you go, little bit harsh, Jesus. Like, because your mother, who did give birth to you, and your brothers are out there. Pointing to his disciples, the people that were around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, he wasn't saying, I disown my mother and brothers. What he was saying is, I'm introducing a new kingdom. I am showing you a new way. This is a new family. And these people that say yes to God are going to be your brothers and sisters. It's a new way of seeing it. This word comes up in the New Testament, oikos. Can you say that, oikos? Oikos, it's the Aramaic word, and it means house. And it comes up many, 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 many times in the Gospels particularly, but into the New Testament. And it means things like the house, but also this family. And it does mean the brothers, the sisters, the mum, the dad, as we would think of family now. But it means a little bit more than that. It means the household. So it might mean the slaves or the servants or the extended family. It was this group of people that we did life with, this household of people. And actually, this sense of oikos extends out to where we are now, to 
this family and this church and the people that we do life with. So, first fairy tale. Are you ready? First ball of fairy floss. Is there any left? Oh, there's a bit. There's a bit. It's still going. Okay. First fairy tale. Church should be perfect. Or church is perfect. That's a lovely fairy tale, isn't it? And maybe the first couple of times you may think that. But what is church made up of? People. Are people perfect? No, they're not. It won't take you long to figure that out. Church is not perfect. We are not perfect. But the church is God's perfect plan to let the world know about who he is. And it's God's perfect way of doing this. It's his only way. And even though we are a group of people that are not perfect, we have a perfect God, do we not? He is. He is perfect. And his way forward for us is perfect. What's your family like? Don't answer aloud. They might be sitting next to you. It's not perfect, is it? No, it isn't. It is messy. And people are rude and annoying and frustrating and awesome and fabulous. And they get things wrong and they get things right. And they forgive us and sometimes they don't. And they give us second chances and sometimes they don't. And it's very messy. Church is an expression of family. It's also an expression of how God gathers us and has a purpose and a plan for us. So the fairy tale is church is perfect. The real story is that the church is a body of Christ made up of messy, diverse, and imperfect people loved by God, loved by a perfect God. That's the real story. And that's the community we get to share with now. That's the community many people are sharing with all over the world today and as this Sunday goes forward into the rest of the world and next Sunday and next Sunday and next Sunday. The disciples weren't perfect. And when Jesus started this by saying, you are my family, you will be my church, they were never perfect to start with. It's not like we've deteriorated over the years. We were always not perfect. And that's okay. That's how he started it. Okay, first fairy tale we've got. What about the second fairy tale? Door of hope is where your life happens. Or church is where your life happens if door of hope is not your place where you'll call home. Or if you're watching from somewhere online, you know that church is not where your life happens because you're only with us for a little bit. So what does it mean? What's the fairy tale? The fairy tale is this is a safe, closed community where we come and live and do everything together. The fairy tale is that we are blessed and we get stronger and bigger and more blessed because we stay together and form this group where our gifts are noticed and people encourage us all the time and we feel fabulous always. Is that how it is? No, it isn't. Sometimes it is and it should be fabulous and there should be blessing. But where did Jesus live his life? Did he live it in the synagogue all the time? 
No, he didn't. He was a carpenter. He was out doing stuff. When he ministered to people, often he was having dinner with them at their house. Dinner with people that you would never have dinner with. Dinner with people who no one else liked. Dinner with annoying people who did the wrong thing. His disciples were annoying and fought with each other and wondered who was going to be first and who was going to be like the most awesome disciple. It wasn't all cozy and lovely and perfect. They did life where we all do life, in our jobs, in our schools, with people that don't know Jesus, maybe with people who are coming to know Jesus, maybe with people who used to and don't want to anymore. But our life is not meant to be lived in this space. Maybe the fairy tale is to be seen. Maybe this is the place where you desire and long to be seen, where the gifts and talents and strengths and skills that you have will really stand out. And that's not a bad thing, but what did Jesus say about the kingdom? The kingdom is so often about the unseen, isn't it? The kingdom says, those that are first shall be last, and those that are last shall be first. Sometimes that feels awkward in this environment. Why doesn't anyone notice me? Why doesn't anyone see me? First of all, you are seen. God sees each and every one of us. And God calls us to be servants. And he calls us to see others. And he calls us to encourage others. So if the fairy tale is that we should all do life here together and it's going to be fabulous and blessed and awesome and I'll be seen and everyone will know that I'm, you know, a great person... The real story is that he invites us to a new way of doing things and a new way of doing life. And it starts with connecting with him, with abiding in him. Jesus actually gives us this beautiful set of instructions in the Gospel of John. And it starts in verse, in chapter 15, and I'm going to read this to you. Chapter 15, verse 4, it talks about remaining or the word abiding. And in this translation, the word is stay. And it says, stay joined to me, Jesus said, and I will stay joined to you. Just as a branch cannot produce fruit unless it stays joined to the vine, you cannot produce fruit unless you stay joined to me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, then you will produce lots of fruit. But you cannot do anything without me. If you don't stay joined to me, you'll be thrown away. You'll be like dry branches that are gathered up and burned in the fire. So this is like the first set of instructions on how to live in this world. First of all, remain in Jesus. And this is where we come together This is where we spend time with him. This is where we might spend 20 minutes in the chair reading his word, letting it soak into us, asking him through prayer what it means and what we should do. 
This is the process of connecting deeply with Jesus. Then we go over to John chapter 17, and he says this. He's praying to the Father about us, the people that know him. He says, Father, I don't ask that you take my followers out of this world, but keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world, and neither do I. Your word is the truth. So let this truth make them completely yours. I'm sending them into the world just as you sent me. I have given myself completely for their sake, so they may belong completely to the truth. So once we abide and are connected with Jesus, he says, go and be in the world. He says, I'm not praying that you are taken out of the world. This is where I want you to be because I need you to tell others about Jesus. Come and stay with me. Get encouraged on Sunday. Have fellowship. Be encouraged and inspired and learn the word. But then go and be in the world. I will protect you. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. I'll protect you from the evil one. I will keep you in my truth. But in the world... It's two stages, John 15, John 17. So we're not meant to just stay here. We're meant to be in the world, being little kingdoms, shining our lights and sharing with others who Jesus is. So that's the second fairy tale. We love being in this space because it's so encouraging to worship the Lord together and to fellowship and to encourage, but we need to be in the world as well. How will they know if no one tells them? The third fairy tale. God will give us what we most want. Who's a dreamer in here? There's a few of you. Big dreams, big audacious dreams. I must say that I'm not one of them. I'm not a big dreamer, although I may have imagined what it might be like to win MasterChef, just once or twice. I may have done that. I may have. Not recently. But what are the fairy tales? The fairy tales is that I will write a New York Times bestseller book. The fairy tales are that undone, when I come to undone, God will bring my spouse directly to sit next to me. And I will know they are the one. And we will start dating and it will be fabulous. That's another fairy tale. My career will go perfectly. I will start a company that one day people will talk about buying shares and being billionaires from. That's another fairy tale. If I, will do, if I do everything right, I will have the perfect family. These are fairy tales. They're not bad desires. We've talked about that, haven't we? The desires. They're not bad. But when that fairy tale gives us blinkers, you know what blinkers are? You know, with horses, when they race, they put these things on the side of their eyes so they don't get distracted. Fairy tales can be blinkers for us, especially in relationships. So if I want to be a Times best-selling writer, it means that I need to talk to people that have a certain intellectual level because I don't want to waste my conversations on people that aren't smart. Or if I, my dream is that God will provide the perfect life partner for me, then every person of the opposite sex that walks in, I'm like, yep, eligible, not eligible. 
I dismiss you, and, but I'll talk to you. They provide blinkers for us in our relationships. What about if I want to be a minister one day? So I want to you know, get into the youth and become an intern and eventually come on staff at Door of Hope and I want to be a minister and, and then something distracts me. I, I, no, that's distracting. I'm not going to share with you. I'm not going to talk with you. I don't want to you know, be in a relationship with someone who gets in my way. Dreams are great, but God brings us together because he creates beautiful things from diverse relationships. And those dreams about what I need from a relationship, aren't they? But he's asking us to be servants, to give to others. And this uh, verse that our youth have printed on their hoodies that we should not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that pattern of this world mean? The pattern of this world means that if you have the same culture and the same outward exterior as everyone else in your world, then that's a problem. If you can't be differentiated from all the other people in the world, then that's a problem. That's conforming to the pattern of this world. The pattern that says, I need to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend who I'm gonna marry and we're gonna have a family. I'm gonna be dedicated to my career and nothing's gonna distract me. I'm gonna be this author and I will not talk to anyone every day because I just need to focus and concentrate. But God calls us into relationship with many different people to share and to give of ourselves and our resources and our time as he grows us to be Jesus-centered, others-focused people. What are our responsibilities to other people in the church? I love, I love this uh, passage that we get uh, from 1 Timothy. And this is really, uh, I guess, the crux of what I wanted to say tonight. He says, don't correct an older man. This is in the church. Encourage him as you would your own father. Treat younger men as you would your own brother. And treat older women as you would your own mother. Show the same respect to younger women that you would to your sister. What he's saying is that when we are in the body of Christ, the people that are here with us are not here for a reason to serve us. They're here because they have an identity in Christ and they're part of our family now. They're not here because we choose them. They're here because they're also children of God. And how do we treat our brothers and sisters? They are there to sharpen us, to do life with, to enjoy life with, to teach us lessons sometimes. Sometimes they're there to convict us and challenge us, not to condemn, but to encourage us in the way of Jesus. Sometimes they are really annoying. That's true. Brothers and sisters are. But we also have spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers, people that God puts in our community to be his family, his body. And if we sometimes just have this blinkered notion 
of who people are around us. We don't experience the fullness of community and the fullness of what God has for us. What's our story? We are God's children. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe aunties and uncles, maybe mothers and fathers, but especially our young adults today. Don't be so thinking about conforming to what the world has for us that we forget that God has a beautiful journey for each of us. Not all of us will be married with a spouse and children. I've just had a beautiful friend I know. She's about 49 years old, maybe 50 years old. She's getting married on the 17th of September. God has a very specific journey for her and has had her abiding with him for many, 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 many years and then surprises her with this life partner. She didn't conform to the pattern of this world. She's been single for most of her adult life and she has served him beautifully in that time. There are people that have been married and it's challenging and it's hard. It's also beautiful. And God intertwines these things. He doesn't have a very set out order for each one of us to follow. He just wants us to love him, to be Jesus-centered and to share who he is with others. And he will weave people in and out of our lives. What does it look like to surrender our fairy tales to God or surrender our dreams to God? We sang that song earlier, we need to re-surrender. What does that look like to give things up to him? How do we do it? Two steps. Abiding, like in John 15, allowing the same life-giving water that flows through the vine to flow into us where we belong in his truth. And then to be in the world, to do our everyday life, being a child of God and sharing who he is. It's simple, but it's not easy. But the Holy Spirit is there to help us through. So I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to pray for those that have fairy tales and those that have dreams and anywhere in between as we surrender those. I don't think I'll ever win MasterChef, maybe. But what I know is that the Lord Jesus dwells in me and that the joy and peace I receive from being a follower of his far outweighs anything that I could dream or imagine. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for the truth that you have shown to us through his life and his words and his actions and his relationships while he was on earth and now in your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, would you transform some of the fairy tales we still have about who you are and how we should live 
Would you transform them, Lord Jesus, into your truth and your desire for us? Would you gently, slowly, graciously mould us into the people that you want us to be, centred on you, Lord Jesus? Would you help us to make these dreams Jesus-centred, our successes Jesus-centred, our relationships Jesus-centred, that we may glorify you and share with others who you are. We pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Christy.